0: I'm going to stand here behind this thing. I feel like I'm a little bit closer to you than behind that behemoth, although the behemoth is nice. So in that passage, the Matthew 5, um, if you were to read through that, you hear um, murder, anger, judgment, adultery, divorce, oaths you can't keep, and what does that remind anybody of? What could you make out of that right there? Come on, a country song. You can make a country song out of that right there. Or some sort of salacious novel. Whatever, take your pick. Uh, just sounds like a recipe for something really interesting. And as I read through this passage the first time to prepare for this, I read that as like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really challenging. <laughs> Interesting. So I came up with two titles at first. The first one was, Don't Even Think About It. Because <laughs> as we read, if you think about it, then you, you just as well have done it, right? So, and it could have brought some fire and brimstone and all kinds of scary stuff. Uh, but the second title, I thought, was a little bit better. Uh, Everything Matters. And the reason I like that one better is because it opens up possibilities and opportunities to look at everything we do, everything we say, think, the stuff we pursue, dream, and even ignore, and maybe rethink them or reshape them. So in the passage, we read about several relationships, I guess you could say, or circles of influence. The first one mentioned um, is the brother. Well, actually, before that, it says not murdering anybody is a good start. So when we wake up, we want to start the day not murdering anyone. Just putting that out there so that everybody knows. Don't murder anybody. But then it refers to a brother. So a special, uh, a, a someone very close to you. It's a really intimate circle. And then it refers to the Sanhedrin, so leaders. Religious leaders or people in authority. So it's a pretty wide circle. And then it refers to the altar alluding to the faith community. So that's a, like right here, this is a pretty wide circle in our circle of influence and contact. So also overt and covert adultery, doing it, thinking about it. And that's referring to your spouse. That's that's as close circle as it can possibly get right there. And the intimate circle in the passage continues discussing faithfulness and divorce. So we're back to the spouse. And then the circle widens again towards the end of the passage, making oaths that you really can't keep. So that widens again, the circle of influence. So it's a pretty wide array of people and relationships mentioned in this passage. And these are people that we're in contact with, some regularly, and some not so regularly, and I'm going to focus not so much on the list of don't-dos. I'm going to focus on the things surrounding the list of don't-dos, the relationships found within the list of don't-dos, the points of personal contact that we have, everybody in this room has every day, and what we do with them, or what we don't do with them. So within our personal contacts, this is what we'll chat about. Things we may not think about because we think they're insignificant. Yeah, who cares? It's small, whatever. Or things we forget about or things we forget are important. Or things we don't think matter because nobody sees it. Nobody's going to see this. Who cares? Or things we just don't care about. Maybe we should. So in the passage, again, I'll go through those relationships again. It refers to people in general, a brother, authorities, church people, spouse, and again, people in general. And within all of these relationships, there are things that matter. How you treat people in general, people you don't know. You think this matters? Anybody? Yes? No? Don't care? Yes? Yes? Yes. Absolutely. How you treat someone you consider a close friend. Does this matter? Yes. How you treat people in any kind of authority, whether you agree with them or not. Yes, absolutely. How you conduct yourself within your this faith community. Does that matter? All of your actions in any given situation they matter yes this is the scary one all of your secret thoughts do they matter absolutely they matter those probably more than any of the other stuff maybe maybe all the words you say do they matter absolutely so why do all these things matter why are they important Anybody, anything. They affect other people, Wendy just said, yes. Does Jesus said they matter, yeah. They affect your heart, yeah. All these are great answers and all yes, a huge yes. It matters because what God wants, what God expects from each of us, every single part of our life, What people see, what they don't see, done in such a way that it pleases Him and brings Him glory. That's the bottom line right there. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. It's a short passage, but it says a lot. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Do it all for the glory of God. Not some. Do it all. That pretty much covers it in everything in life, doesn't it? From your eating, which is like basic function, right? Eating, to the most great, grand, huge, epic thing you ever try to pursue with your life and everything in between. That's what that little verse covers, everything. Do it all for the glory of God, not for your selfish or my selfish pleasures or for our comforts. That's not what it's about. Do it all, big and small for the glory of God, simply because he is who he says he is. He is the king of kings, and it makes him smile when we do that. Do it all for the glory of God, every thought, every word, every action. So what does that look like for us here, everybody in this room? So here are some examples from an average day from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. So, if you're living with family, spouse or family, the way you greet them in the morning, does that matter? Or do you wake up like, don't talk to me, I haven't had coffee, you know, I'm not human yet. Or do we greet them, you know, in kind of a nice way? Even if you don't say anything, at least with a smile, something. And then as you're leaving your neighborhood, neighbors you might pass, They might be out getting their paper. You just drive by, or do you give them a wave? That stuff matters. People next to you when you're driving. People in front of you, behind you, people trying to cut you off and murder you as you're driving to work or to the store or whatever. Fellow shoppers in line with you. The person at the gas pump next to you. Work colleagues, people sitting next to you at the doctor's office, a server at the restaurant people sitting next to you at the restaurant, the police officer giving you a ticket because you were too long in the restaurant. That could get ugly real quick. Post office workers, people at the gym, your attorney, people at the bank, the homeless guy on the corner, your car mechanic, your friends, your nephews, your nieces, your grandkids. Every one of these is is an opportunity to take today, Sunday, Into the rest of our week, into the rest of our waking hours. And each one is our chance to be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus Christ and the world around us. So we're to do this every day, all day, until we die. It doesn't matter if you're extroverted. Introverted, young, old, homebound, able to get out, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care about any of that stuff because that's not a challenge for him. If you're homebound, you can text, you can email, you can call, you can pray. There is a ton of stuff that you can do to affect the kingdom of God, even bedridden from home. We use these ex- as these things as excuses. But they're not challenges for God. He wants, he expects, he longs for you to be able to be the vehicle of his love and his grace and his kindness in the world and the circles that you we travel in every day. And there's no excuse for any of us to go through any week and have no love of God, contact with people in the list that I went through. So, love of God, contact. What does that even mean? So, I picked a couple things from my list and then after those I'm going to ad-lib a couple more. So the shoppers in line with you, nobody likes to go, at least nobody that I know of, really likes to go shopping. So you go in What's your typical mindset when you go shopping? Let's say, let's put a scenario around this. You're at Walmart, you're in line, and the line is like, long. What's your typical mindset? Anybody? What was that? Yeah, get more cashiers up here right now. Anything else? What was that, Kim? Did I really need this? Craig, what'd you say? Yeah, put the butchers, put the stuff down and leave. Get her done. Yeah, you just want to get in and get out. Don't talk to me. I just want to get in and get my stuff and get out of here. I think that's most of our mindsets. So how about this mindset or maybe these things? A kind conversation with the person in front or behind you or with the person behind the cash register who has to deal with all the people in this line who really don't want to be there, <laughs> or help carrying something for somebody, or holding their place in line, or paying for their stuff. This has happened to me. Paying for their stuff when you see that there's a woman in line with a bunch of kids, and their card gets declined. Maybe paying for their stuff. Or offer to take something to someone's car because you see they're struggling. Or drive someone home if they're at the bus stop right there and they've got like 900 bags and weighed down. Just offer to take them home. They can't possibly live that far. These are just some things to consider. So how about, here's another situation. Waiting in a doctor's office, your favorite thing, right? So what's your usual mindset when you're at the doctor's office? Anybody? want to get out of here. There's sick people here, and I don't want to catch their sick. Yeah, you just want to get in and get out. And you might be a little nervous because of what you're there for. How about this mindset? Or maybe some of these things. Look for conversation opportunities and opportunities to minister. That can be very, very intimidating and scary. But when you look at it from the perspective of God is looking into this waiting room right now, and he knows that this person here has a need, and they just need someone to care, that person, that might be you to look for conversation opportunities. And how do you do that? You look at, maybe here's just some things to offer. Look at what they're reading. They've got a magazine or a book, how they're acting, nervous or scared. Listen to their conversation if they're there with someone else. You don't wanna be like a busybody, but there might be opportunity to chime something in. This happened to me recently at the ER with my mom. We had to call 911 for my mother, get her to the hospital. So her, my brother, and I were in the ER for seven hours before we were even seen. A lot of people were coming in and out and there was a big family behind us and something was going down with them as they were going in and out of the emergency room, crying and hugging. And then later on, things got a little bit less tense. They were coming out a little bit smiling, but it was a huge family moment. And there are a lot of them. So at one point, one of the guys, I don't know if he was a believer, and I don't know if he knew that he was proclaiming biblical truths, but he was bringing it right there in the ER, talking to his family. He didn't care who heard it. He was loud and proud and didn't care, trying to just build up his family. And he went on for like five minutes, just trying to build up his family. And so we were sitting here, our back, we were facing this way, they were back here. And so when he finished, I stood up and I turned around and I pointed right at him. I said, that was powerful truth. And he just got this big smile and the whole family just kind of lit up. It was just a was four words, four little words. And the whole family just lit up. It wasn't me. It's four simple words. And I don't know how much it meant, but it meant something to them. So this past Wednesday, I was on Rolling Road in Catonsville, right where the 95 cutoff thing is. And there was a 30-ish, a youngish black guy off to the side of the road with his hood up. And I just kind of blew by. Because I... Because I had somewhere to go. <laughs> but then, you know, that little, that little thing back there, it's like, ah, oh, fine. I pulled over. And then I backed up. It was a long way. It was like 100 yards. I had to back up to get back to this guy. And I rolled down my window, and I yelled, hey, you okay? And he didn't really hear me. So he starts cautiously walking up to my car, hoping I'm not an axe murderer or anything like that. So, you you know, when you, well, if you've ever been pulled over by the police, how they stand back here, that's where he stood, back here, hoping I wouldn't come out with, you know, a chainsaw or something there, whatever. And he said, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, do you need any help? Are you okay? And then he got this relieved posture. Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. So, and he said, thank you so much just for asking, but I'm okay. It's just my hood latch, I'm good. It's a simple thing, not complicated. No formula, no checklist, just responding to what the need was at the time. So the last situation, we were celebrating our daughter Jade's birthday. Her birthday is today. So we got together with her, her fiance, and Jared, our son, Last night in Virginia, in Dunk, Virginia, let me tell you, there was nothing in this town called Mineral. There was one restaurant, and that's about all there was in this little town, and it was downtown Mineral. Nothing there. And we had a great time. We went to dinner, then we hit a winery, we did a couple wineries, and we were at this one winery where, when we first got there, there was this guy outside playing guitar, and then he packed up, and... We went inside, and there was a piano inside. This really nice, just like this, a beautiful grand piano. And whenever we're in a situation like this, someone who sits over there pushes. You got to play that. You got to do some music. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. Don't make me. Um, but but we started to you know, Jade started playing some music. And the first, well, I think, the first song we did was "My Maria," the Brooks and Dunn song. My Maria, because her name is Maria, so I always got to play that song. And then we did "Let It Be," and then some people started to come around the piano, which didn't expect that at all. I wasn't even looking to do something like that. And then we, this group of people came in, and they were, they said, "We're farmers." We just came in from the field, and we want to hear some music, play some music. And they were, like, demanding music. Uh, so we did a song, did a couple other songs, and they weren't going anywhere. Like, oh, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should've, we should have done that. Put a little brandy glass out for some tips. Um, so one of them at one point asked, you know, "Do a hymn?" And Jade and I looked at each other like, "Yeah, we know a few hymns." So she played a hymn, and then they said, "Do another one." And so we did another one, and then they told Jade, "Do your favorite Jesus song." And so she did uh, the blessing, I think I think it's called, and then they started singing along, and then before we knew it, we were having church in the winery. And they kept asking for some more Jesus songs. Really, really cool. And then after the Jesus song, we did Billy Joel and Journey and, you know, some other stuff. But just responding to the moment. Didn't expect it. Wasn't looking for it. We were just there. They were there. And things just come together. Those are just examples, just paying attention to the day all the interactions and trying to look for these opportunities because they are there. It's just whether we're willing to respond to them and willing to see them. Now, I'm almost done. So we're just trying to pay attention to everything that goes on during the day, all the interactions to opportunities, to find opportunities to affect the world that we're living in, in that moment. In all this, everything matters. We already went through this. Your thoughts, your words, your actions. How you treat people in general, people you don't know, that matters. How you treat someone you consider a close friend, matters. How you treat people in any kind of authority, matters. How you conduct yourself within the faith community, that matters. All your actions in any given situation, doesn't matter what it is, they matter. All your secret thoughts, they matter. All the words that you say, they matter. To going back, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, and everything in between, it says, do it all for the glory of God. Not do some of it, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for Him. Like I said before, it's not complicated, not rocket science, there's no formula, there's no checklist, you can do it, I can do it, we can do it, you need to do it, I need to do it, we need to do it, or the world will never, ever experience the tangible love of God. And be reconciled to him. And isn't that the point anyway of why we're here? Otherwise, why bother? Why be here? If we don't do these things, we will have missed many, many opportunities to bring a smile to the face of the King of Kings by ministering to other people wherever we are in that given moment. Everything matters. And when everything matters, that is a total game changer, isn't it? So, as we move to communion, let's use this time to reflect, consider, pray, commit, recommit what we've done, what we've left undone, what we're doing now, what we need to do, what we need to be doing, what we need to affirm what we need to change, all these things. What we need to surrender so we can finally do his work in the world immediately around us. God bless you. We're going to move into communion.